0: I brought you all together because this was an idea that Sarah had. She was like, you should do an album and you should do an episode about albums. We do episodes about books and about movies all the time. And I was like, yeah, of course, that makes, that makes sense. I have no idea what that would look like. And then I remembered that we have our quote unquote favorite albums, all assembled here on our website for folks who want to check it out. So I figured why not go back to that? Because it's possible if either of you are like me, that you don't exactly remember what you put onto that website. (laughs) So it's a trip down memory lane, at least for me. Say hello, everybody.
1: Hello. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey.
0: I have Michelle to my left. Hi, Jeff. Jordan across from me. Hello. And then Kelly is over to the right. Hi. My name is Jeff, and you are listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast. It's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. And today we are talking about music and our favorite albums, quote unquote. Could we even narrow it down to five? If you're, if any of you are like me, also, you couldn't narrow it down, and the five that you picked aren't necessarily exactly your five favorite. That was, that's actually that that might be a good starting point. Is like, how did you decide what the albums that you chose for the website would be? For me, it was all like, what would be the most, what would provide the most variety, things that I did like that also cross genres, that also had diversity of artists. So that's how I approached it, and I do have. Albums by Bjork, Talking Heads, Television, The Zombies, and MF Doom. Let's go there. Go around the table. Was it hard to pick? Did you know immediately? Did you overthink it? Who wants to go?
2: <laughs> I can go. Well, I select music here at the library, so I felt like there was a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What if the albums I pick are dumb and nobody, <laughs> everyone stops relying on my taste?
0: 100% because it's there <laughs> for me there's always more pressure at music than there are for books or movies yeah. because your music picks he said crossing his arms and putting sunglasses on had better be cool.
2: Yeah. I you know, I went with some that I had lived with for a long time that I could still come back to and say yeah, I love that. So, you know, it went all the way back to my childhood and at the time probably within the past two to three years so i have like a span of when i first heard these things so i longevity i guess was the sure thing for me
0: <laughs> it's been living with you for a while
2: mm.
0: but w- without going into detail tell us the albums that are on your list and then we'll go into detail more
2: i've got fleet fox's helplessness blues nice pearl jams Verses, nice great lakes myth Society's compass rose bouquet and led zeppelin three
0: nice jordan how about you hard cool pressure
2: no
3: i think my list was sort of a combination of stuff that i always tend to fall back to and then just stuff that was resonating with me at the time so you know i, th- I think that if i made the list today it would be very different but yeah my list is happiness hours by the sidekicks give him enough rope by the clash bringing down the horse by the wallflowers majesty shredding by super chunk and scarecrow by john cougar Mellencamp. so i was i was like six months away from having one album in every decade from the 1970s onward, <laughs> onward but Superchunk messed it up <laughs> six months late.
0: So. Yeah, that's one of the newer picks on your list. Yeah, I believe that's from 2010. Maybe. 2010 yes. Yeah, Michelle.
1: Hi. <laughs> it was kind of funny because I thought that this, my albums were more varied than they are, and then listening to them, I saw a lot of through lines that I hadn't really seen before. Really? Mine are all pretty much from... 2009 to 2019 and I think I picked them because they hit me in like a soft spot like I have a big emotional reaction to all of the albums that I picked and we had them in the collection too so mm-hmm. <laughs> that okay. also helped but yeah I could easily pick another five today it was funny to go back and see what I thought a couple of years ago I'm not sure when we put these together but it's been a minute so. it's been a
0: minute what's yeah. on what's on your list run through them. so
1: I have uh forget by twin shadow my modeling career by camera obscura kiwanuka by daniel kiwanuka Grimtown by soak and voyager by jenny lewis nice
0: i'm gonna go ahead and go through my list real quick because i didn't (laughs) i have I, i i vaguely named what was on there i have let's see Bjork's post which is from 1996 i have the zombies odyssey and oracle I have talking heads more songs about buildings and food mf doom's mad villainy and televisions marquee moon uh so i'll go ahead and start with bjork i love bjork and i know she's the epitome of acquired taste <laughs> uh for a lot of people especially with their singing style but i have the utmost respect for her and i was obsessed with pretty much her first four albums i think that i fell in love with post i think it has the most quote unquote hits. I think it is her best album. And the reason I connected with that album is uh, I had kind of a Garden State moment with that album where uh, a friend did the whole like Shin's treatment for me where I fed off of how much they loved the album and I had that magic moment where a light turned on I was like, yes, this is revelatory. Uh, Even though it is uh, bizarre and esoteric lyrics, it's... It's set to this like really uh, pump and rave beat. I'm loving it. All right, great. So uh, that was my kind of uh, very 90s very electronica pick there. Um, tell me about an album on your list there, Kelly.
2: I'll go to the oldest one, Zeppelin 3, obviously. Well, maybe not so obviously. I was not alive when this album was released.
0: <laughs> I always mix up Zeppelin one through four. Here's the thing. I can't remember which one had stairway. <laughs> I can't remember which one was the acoustic folky one. But tell us, which one is that one?
2: Uh, Zeppelin 3 has Immigrant Song as the opening track. So that's kind of all you need to know. That
0: is a (laughs) statement maker.
2: Is
3: that that the one with the...
2: Should I do it? Ah, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I didn't want to do it. (laughs) Yes. This is my dad's ringtone on every smartphone he's ever had, Uh, which is wonderful.
0: (laughs) I really love how Jordan got out of having to do the vocal and made Kelly do that. That was a great (laughs) move. We all Um, all knew what he was implying. You know,
2: that song is about Vikings, I think, which Uh is kind of awesome. My favorite on that is like a... I don't know if you'd call it a deep cut, but Uh whatever, is Brawn Stomp, which is kind of, there's lots of hand claps and stomping and it's a folk, it's like an English folk song or at least it's based on that, which is kind of like, I was thinking about it earlier today. It's like the kind of music that would come with people from, you know, England, Ireland and Scotland to the United States and become Americana. Yeah. So I think that, is an interesting through line through some of my music. There's a sheer amount, there's a fair amount of folk on there. So that's, I was like, Oh, maybe that's why I like that song so much. Um, We'll see.
0: We'll see if the uh, leaf picker that's driving by our studio is going to (laughs) be picked up on the mics. We're having kind of a Mark Maron moment here, but please continue.
2: Yeah. um, Uh,
0: uh, The leaf blowers are (laughs) black.
2: The, I mean, obviously, Zeppelin basically stole the blues songs that they covered, which I can't remember if they've made compensation or not, but they sure can sing the hell out of those songs. So I think recognizing that has kind of changed my idea of Zeppelin. But when I was a kid, those weren't the ones, the bluesy ones weren't the ones that I got into. They were like the shrieking ones. And I think for me, it's rowdy, It feels still a little forbidden, even though I'm a 43-year-old woman. My mom hated Led Zeppelin, but my dad loved it. So, like, you could pick and choose the time Mm -hmm. to hear it. It's sexy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Robert Plant is just, like, a force. So kind of belting along with him in your car feels like you're freeing yourself somehow. Um, Can confirm. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. On all accounts. What about you, Jordan?
3: Uh, I'll start with the newest one. Uh, Happiness Hours by The Sidekicks.
0: This is the one on your list I was not familiar with.
3: I I feel like the whole world is just sleeping on this band and this record in particular. They're on Epitaph, so I mean, about as big of a label as you could get without being technically a major label.
0: What's the genre-ish?
3: It's like pop, it's like jangle pop, but it's guitar driven. The Sidekicks were a punk band, they're from Columbus, Ohio, and they're just not a punk band anymore. And the songs are so catchy. The vocals are clean and smooth. The lyrics are great. The guitar works great. You know, I can't even think of a, a how to compare it to something, except that it just sounds like these songs kind of always have been. They sound sort of classic. Sure. Um, perfect summer afternoon hanging out in the driveway.
0: Have you and I ever talked about Ted Leo? Oh, yeah, we yeah. have. Is it in that vein?
3: Yeah, it could Is be. That? okay? Yeah, it's it's just so poppy. Okay
0: all, right, all I, right i would
3: encourage the whole world to listen to this album i just i love it all the way through and it's one of those there's a couple of standout songs that you know they, they put out as singles that are really fantastic but it's great all the way through and they kind of all flow together they have a very similar feel and vibe it almost you can really kind of like not listen mm-hmm. so Do really they
0: cross like that. over that line of being no like being so pop that they are no longer power pop no, they're power. They're power yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's still they're still a rock band. Great, but
2: I when you suggested this, I bought it for our collection because nobody had it. So in order to link it in the catalog, I bought it for the library. I,
3: so. I saw them in a basement. In, yes, in in, in uh, where were we? Maybe we Redford in two thousand eighteen it's just like why are you guys playing in a basement you'll never forget
0: that you'll never forget that the sound was terrible
3: (laughs) yep i I just i just want the whole world to know this band i'm sure they're not making enough money to not have day jobs and i just want them to (laughs) i want them to to do this and put out more albums so
0: michelle how about you what's an album you want to talk about
1: well i feel like i should start with michael kumanuka because i said daniel kumanuka i apologize
0: (laughs) And, but you also talked about albums that really give you the feels, Yes. that really are emotional. Yes. And that is that album. It is,
1: it is. So I have to put um, Michael at the top here. Yeah, I first became aware of him um, when he had uh, the album Love and Hate that came out in like 2015, 2016 Mm -hmm. and I loved the song Rule the World. But most people probably know the song Cold Little Heart from that album because it was the theme song for Big Little Lies on HBO. Mm -hmm. So if you know that jam from that show, this is him. So uh, Kiwanuka came out in 2019. It's produced by Danger Mouse. It is an album of contradictions. It's got a lot of really warm sounds on it like piano, harp, guitar, It feels really intimate but the sound is huge and it also is very electronic because of that like danger mouse side on there so it's warm it's electronic um he sounds very conflicted it's very full of anxiety uh sadness doubt he talks a lot about he's a ugandan british Mm -hmm. so he talks about a lot about being a black man and you get the sense he's kind of lost hope in institutions and systems, rightly, mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of the album is him sort of reaching out to one person. That's a great album for headphones. Yeah, It really feels like he's speaking directly to you and I get this sense of like, I've lost faith in the world, but not in people. Like, you know, these individual connections that we make when we're so depressed, but like we have a friend we can reach out to. He pays a lot of homage to uh, the song Hero is a great one to check out if you just want to get like a sense for it. I think he was inspired by uh, Fred Hampton when he wrote that one. And he's kind of talking about like in order to be a hero, do you have to be a martyr? You know, Fred Hampton was killed at 21. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's this depression of like, you know, especially as a black man to be a hero, does something terrible have to happen to me? And you, and you feel this, this deep, deep sadness in him. Um, but at the same time, it is a gorgeous album and even kind of ebullient. Like, I, you definitely have soaring. It's like when you listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh, wow, this is deep and heavy and timely and sad. But also, like, the music is just gorgeous. And um, it's a, a beautiful record for this time of year to listen to by the fire or <laughs> but also very thought provoking.
0: And genre, genre defiant, too. I, I don't fit that into any box. Yeah. Even though... Danger Mouse has worked with hip-hop, R&B, soul. It is none of that, even if it, it's not electronica either. you got
1: psychedelic in yeah. there, soul is in there. Literally,
0: the genre is just human. Yeah. Just, and, and pain and joy and sadness and emotions. So, yeah, incredible singer. I'm just l- overlooking the um, track list of uh, more songs about buildings and food from Tugging Heads, which is an album I threw on at random. I sort of like some of these songs. I love uh warning sign even though it's kind of eerie and I love uh, Stay Hungry and With Our Love and Thank You for Sending Me an Angel but this isn't, this isn't actually my favorite Talking Heads Ooh. album and it actually doesn't even have my favorite Talking Heads song on it but I was going through a big and I'm still in a big Talking Heads phase. Uh, I remember somewhere in 2015 uh, making the radical statement that the Talking Heads are now officially my Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> and that St Vincent is now my new radio head. Um I supplanted both of those. Both of those stalwarts. Um my favorite song of all time right now number 1 is this must be the place by Talking Heads. Uh but my favorite album is I guess technically Remain in Light, which is an album that they made in 1984 that they produced with Brian Eno, that I don't think a lot of people love because Brian Eno is an acquired taste and that album is all over the place even though it gave us the song for Once in a Lifetime, uh, which is the same as it ever was uh, <laughs> song. So, this is a long way of me saying that I just like the Talking Heads. <laughs> I can't pick a album, but... This album is good enough
2: and that's <laughs> for the list
0: more the li- more songs about building some food is gosh darn it, good enough. Uh, uh, Jeff basically saying you can't go wrong with tugging heads. Yeah. Um, anyone thoughts tugging heads? David Byrne? I watched
2: the documentary, is it Stop Making Sense?
0: The live show? Yes. Where he walks out with a little boombox and starts (laughs) tapping and playing an acoustic guitar and then it gets wilder and wilder and wilder, directed by Jonathan Demi.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. My dad went through a phase of wanting to watch like concert DVDs and so we would just buy them for him for Christmas. And I'm like, here's one you probably don't want, but we're going to watch together. (laughs) And it was such a cool experience because you'd see them as like these weird art performers, Mm -hmm. but to actually get to see them like put the show together. I don't know. It made them more human to me Mm -hmm. because before it was just like, oh, it's a guy in a giant suit. Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I'm not entirely sure, sure I've seen this. Is this the one where David Byrne is just running?
0: He has. Okay. So life, life during wartime is one song that is, I'll give you five and a half minutes long in which he is running in place for the entirety of the song. And people are running around the stage.
3: That may have been this, why I took away from This is
0: that. my plug for Jonathan Demi's Stop Making Sense. Each song of however 20 they do, like one new person or at least two new people come on stage and new pieces start coming on stage.
3: I'm interested.
2: Yeah. You should, yeah, Worth a, it. it. It's the greatest music
0: <laughs> documentary of all time. <laughs> Kelly, another album.
2: I gotta talk about Great Lakes Myth Society. They are local i don't know if they consider them still selves still together one can hold out hope
0: i'll call them out they are certainly active on instagram i have I don't seen this know if they're harping on nostalgia
2: yeah um so they're out of like Ypsilanti, ann arbor area and were pretty big in the early 2000s um their first album which was self-titled came out in 2005 and their second album which is the one that's on my list came out in 2007. I was very much involved in going to see shows multiple times a week. Like, that's kind of where our local music collection was birthed as a former director of ours was like, Hey, why don't you bring some of these CDs back here? And the library network will hate me forever because I'm constantly (laughs) bringing them things that they have to like hand catalog. And because local bands don't always have record labels or that kind of distribution um but anyway the this album was a very highly anticipated one for me because we were big fans of i was big fans of them from seeing them at live shows Mm -hmm. um and i'm sure all of you live local live music fans understand the the sort of cascading thing of you see one band but somebody opens for them and then you're a fan of that band, so you see them, and then you like the band that opened for them. And that's kind of how it was with Great Lakes Miss Society. I think maybe I saw Chris Bathgate, or they played a Halloween show at the Magic Stick. And I was like, ooh, I like these guys.
0: I was going to say that there's 040506 onward, there's this kind of folk resurgence coming out of the Ann Arbor area. Yeah. And they're very much a big part of it. Yeah. Also uh the one of the first bands that I encountered and I'm sure this has been a thing in for time in memoriam is that it was a band that seemed to really tailor an aesthetic. Yeah. Uh I don't think that they maybe my memory's blurry but <laughs> I don't know if they entirely wore costumes but I think that there was a lot of
2: They always wore black suits if I recall correctly.
0: And they had some Uh, Jordan, you would have loved this band. They had some old-timey paraphernalia on stage, old lantern lights, and...
2: (laughs) I I
3: I wasn't here then. I missed it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, They also, not every song, but a lot of their songs are very tied to Michigan. They have, you know, uh, one called... um, It's slipping my mind. It refers to Novi. Um, There's Isabella County. um, And compass rose bouquet was their second album which was a lot like brighter Mm -hmm. in its way than the first one the first one feels like the fall or like this time of year in Mm -hmm. michigan compass rose bouquet is very much like celebratory of our brief summer in michigan um
0: is this the one with heydays
2: heydays yeah and i was gonna say like i'm sure i heard heydays before the album came out it's like very anthemic but and i think they're all a few years older than me so at the time when i was like 26 27 i was like eh whatever but there's a lines like heydays days are passing uh don't hold a candle don't carry a torch those are for castles and you're long from this their courts right it's basically like hey like the apartment you used to rent has been rented like several times over by prettier girls is the line uh it's just like things are moving on from like that peak of like you know what a lot of people see as their peak of life but it wasn't like you know oh give up or whatever
0: it was like healthy cynicism and measured nostalgia
2: yes
0: (laughs) All, all your favorite bands were just haircuts and jackets
2: yeah it was the line and um and i just it takes me back every time i listen to it especially those louder like more raucous songs of being in the elbow room which is now no longer a place and the lager house and just being crammed oh i don't know into the atlas bar which was probably the size of this room and why they booked great Lakes Myth society who was like pretty big in the area i thought i was gonna die but i was sure gonna have a beer and sing along with them
0: being in a 30 capacity room with 50 people that's (laughs) pre-covid
2: yeah Yeah. they're just really dear to me i i know them personally not super close but um there are pictures on their Instagram of me in the front row going with my arm in the air and my mouth wide open, screaming. They were just, they were really dear to me in a time of my life where I felt kind of aimless, um, and this album kind of brings that back. It's also, they're clearly more exploring in the studio than on the first, you know, there's songs that they could not play live, people would beg them to, and they're like, we cannot do this in front of you on a stage. Uh, which was a funny thing for them to do because I'm sure they made their...
0: We don't have our concertina or our melodica
2: <laughs> right.
0: with us. Yeah. What's next for you, Jordan?
3: The next one on my list is the oldest of the ones I picked. It's Give him Enough Rope by The Clash, 1978. I love The Clash. I've always loved The Clash.
0: This everyone isn't... everyone listening is like, not London Calling? No, I
3: know, I know, and I picked this one specifically. Uh, so the first Clash album is great but it's rough. It's super punk.
0: It's very punk. It
3: sounds like a bunch of almost homeless 21 year olds, which is like basically what they were. Right. Um, but, but this one, you know, they, they got a drummer who could actually play top <laughs> topper uh, is, you know, a world-class drummer compared to whoever they had before. And, you know, I think Joe drummer himself was said that you're only as good as your drummer. Um, so that, that really tightened up the band. Uh, you start to see some of the creativity come out that you'll see in their later albums you know they did a whole bunch of weird stuff after i mean london calling is kind of weird actually Mm -hmm. but uh combat rock satanista they really they definitely became so much more than a punk band and you can start to see some of that in the in the in the first track is uh you start to hear those weird volume swells and safe european home you start to see let me back up i feel like joe strummer's creativity was Right out in front from the very beginning he's obviously the leader of that band but um i think you start to see mick jones come into his own um in some of the songwriting as well i'm a huge mick jones fan i feel like he's not talked enough about
0: i had some john and george moments where i didn't realize it was mick singing and i thought it was joe
3: oh yeah i'd uh...
0: as a little kid i was like i mistook a lot of george songs for john i had those same my ear wasn't trained
3: yeah as a, well as a, as a punk kid trying to write songs and trying to sing um <laughs> hearing somebody else write great music and with a high tenor made me feel a lot better because you know i think we'd all love to sound like joe strummer but <laughs> we can't it's <laughs> not the way it works mm-hmm. so nice polished polished punk yeah my favorite tra- uh, track off the album is stay free that's a mick jones song that i was thinking of
0: joe
1: Jeff. Yes. So I guess we're moving on to Jenny Lewis and Voyager.
0: Amazing singer
1: now. I, and I realize actually that's one of the through lines of my picks is they're all amazing singers who can just belt it out. I, I feel like almost all my albums could be considered like torch song albums. <laughs> which I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, Jenny has a, a great voice. And so she's, you know, been around forever. She was a child actor. She's like Mr. Belvedere, True Beverly Hills. um, All sorts of something with Fred Savage. So, and she's about my exact age. So I've just always liked her and kind of related to her. And then, you know, she kind of grew out of the acting and did Rilo Kylie and a lot of music as a young adult. And then this album kind of came out of... After Rilo Kylie broke up, she had insomnia, and I guess she just started working on music to kind of push through that and work mm-hmm. through her feelings of about the breakup of the band. It's not her first solo work, but it's her first solo work, I believe, post-Rilo Kylie. Mm-hmm. And she kind of has like... A, Sort of an Americana out country, like especially when she did uh, Rabbit for Coat with the Watson Twins. That was a very country album. But this is another one where she's sort of crossing genres. You get a little bit of country, but definitely some psychedelica. You also get a little disco on the drums and whatnot. I think Ryan Adams produced this boo, but it is a great album. <laughs> um, and she's kind of wrestling with the idea of aging as a woman and kind of doing her own thing. I think she had a pretty rough childhood, so she's sort of been parenting herself for a long time, but she's also, you know, been in a lot of messy relationships. She's child-free, and she kind of grapples with that a lot on this album as she sees her peers, you know, getting married or exes getting married and having children and and kind of wrestling with her choice to just sort of remain independent Mm -hmm. herself doing her thing one of my favorite covid songs was called a puppy in a truck (laughs) and it's just about like how this is me i got a puppy in a truck i'm good you know i don't need to be in a relationship i don't need kids like i can be perfectly content with my life The way it is. And maybe it's this album that kind of helped get her to that content point because she doesn't sound totally content. Right. And I'm sure, you know, it's difficult as a woman and someone who's been in the spotlight for her whole life to have people constantly judging you. And, you know, she's gorgeous too, but I appreciate her choice for the album cover of this. She has this phenomenal nudie suit that was like spray painted galaxy stars and planets it's gorgeous a bit of a rainbow hue yeah so just to look at the nudie suit she's wearing on that and the fact that you know Mm -hmm. she really could push her sexuality but it's a very androgynous tough right but still kind of psychedelic look she's always got a lot of kind of druggy references in her music too so it kind of fits with that but um i just love her voice i love what she has to say i love her ambivalence and sound
0: <laughs> i think she has a voice for pop and a voice that could be described as sweet and i do like that juxtaposition that a lot of what she sings about is so raw yeah. and honest and possibly pearl clutching and yeah when, when you respond to it even though it's such a sweet voice
1: yeah well she's talking about cheating on her boyfriends right. and you know yeah i appreciate the the honesty <laughs>
0: Next, I want to talk about uh, an album called Marquee Moon by the television. Have either of you ever heard of television or listened to television?
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Um, okay, great. I was introduced. <laughs> a friend of
2: mine introduced me to them. I came late to it, but. Awesome. Yeah.
0: I was introduced uh, perfectly by an older sibling in 2002 when a band that was ruling the charts was from New York called the Strokes and said older sister was like, you should listen to this. The Strokes basically stole this whole thing. (laughs) This is The Strokes from 1977. Uh, And I flipped for it. But this is anecdotal. Uh, Like that's the best thing I can say. If you were digging what was going on in in Brooklyn in 2002, uh, i.e. The Strokes, go back to this band. They were way more talented than probably 90% of the groups inside of CBGBs. But my anecdotal Uh, experience with this is um, I was fresh out of high school and desperate for money and I signed up for a very bizarre part-time job inside of Beaumont Hospital which sends around its blood samples on a pneumatic tube system throughout this vast underground network of whatever that 40,000 square foot campus is and that was going to be down for maintenance so they needed human beings to (laughs) Shepherd all of this blood, blood <laughs> ar- around the underground tunnels of a hospital and I had the midnight shift.
1: Oh, God. You're yeah, a blood sherpa.
0: And I was blood sherpa and to uh, expedite travel uh, me as a human being, I'm not as fast as a pneumatic tube system, they gave me a bike. <laughs> and when I say bike, I actually mean a adult tricycle. So. <laughs> For two or three weeks uh, in the summertime of 2002, anywhere between 1am and 4am, I was riding a tricycle full of blood in an underground tunnel under a hospital. To keep sane, I listened to this album on repeat and it kind of distracted me from the surrealism of the whole experience. But I legitimately became spellbound by the album and I would have, I believe so, I would have in any other circumstance. Uh, and still am today. I return to this album at least once every other month, just to, just to listen to it. Uh, so that's what you're going to get. You're going to get uh, guitars, drums, bass, uh, and snarly vocals with a poetic curl to it. Sounds just like the Strokes, um, and I love it so much. Blood Tricycle, Kelly. <laughs>
2: How do I follow a blood tricycle? <laughs> um, let's go with the newest one, um, Fleet Fox's "Helplessness Blues." I believe this album is ninety-nine percent perfect. Yeah, which is a weird thing to say. So
0: I'm- tell me, hold on, real quick, tell me about the song about being a functioning cog.
2: That's the one. Et cetera, et
0: cetera. What is the title of that song?
2: That's the title track, "Helplessness." "Helplessness
0: Blues." Blues. So it's the title track. Yeah, incredible
2: um that's the one that really hit me like if you if i am listening to that there's a 50 50 chance that i am also crying i don't know why it just hit me right um it's basically like a little bit about letting go of some of your individuality and being a part of something bigger and the opening lines are something about you know i was raised up believing i was somehow unique and that resonated with me i was you know it's not bad to tell your kids that they're special or whatever but it's taken me a long time as a human to go like ah but i fit into something bigger right. like you know my actions are important in that they further a cause or something like that mm-hmm. i say this album is 99 perfect because on track 10 there is this noisy horn thing <laughs> that i think he put in there to make it be less beautiful just <laughs> to break it Truly, I don't know. But that is my theory. And I skip over it every time. It makes <laughs> me angry because the rest of it is so beautiful. <laughs> uh, it's all about harmonies, like very tight, intricate harmonies. Um, It's guitar driven, but probably like 12 string guitars and other stringed instruments. And um, I think it was written after a bad breakup. There's a lot of that. But the feeling i get from it it's like that melancholy feeling but it's like accepting it's the kind of mood you go through before you like get back on your feet so it feels like it's that slowly rising mm-hmm. but it's it's just so beautiful i listen to it all the time it's like probably my most played album on spotify cuz it just it's any track on it except that one
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> And even most of that one is beautiful. But um, yeah.
0: Fleet Foxes, I put into this sort of four horsemen team of a post-2010 elevating folk. And, you know, they had that song White Winter Hymnal, I think, on yeah. a previous album. You got Fleet Foxes, Grizzly Bear, My Morning Jacket, mm-hmm. and then some other band called Arcade Fire that no one cares <laughs> about. But that, like, it really felt like, oh, man, indie is art yeah. now with those bands. Yeah. Hate Arcade Fire. Sorry, everybody. All right, (laughs) Jordan.
3: My next pick is "Bringing Down the Horse" by the Wallflowers, 1995.
0: Is Um, that their first or second?
3: It's their second. Don't know the Wallflowers. Is fronted by Jacob Dylan, who is the offspring of Bob Dylan. The cool thing about being the offspring of Bob Dylan, aside from the obvious thing, is that if you're Bob Dylan's kid, you can pick. You basically get to handpick the the best musicians to work with you. And it really shines through on this album. The playing is just fantastic. Uh, It's produced by T-Bone Burnett, which I think is probably one of the reasons why you have this group of six or seven or eight extraordinary musicians, um, and yet they were able to maintain some of the sparseness that is so important in making a good record, Mm -hmm. is that nobody overplays. There's just room on it, which I love. Uh, A good example of that is on one headlight, uh it's a five minute song there's not a single crash symbol in it Whoa. which makes me really really happy i think, <laughs> I, think I think a lot of times symbols can you know a symbol on its own it's not a great sounding thing um, i think a lot of rock bands lean on them a little too heavy to fill space when it's just not necessary if you're if you're doing something or saying something that's interesting and important the other thing i noticed you know i've probably heard 6th avenue heartache you know for almost Almost 30 years now. Is that possible? 1995. It's getting there. 20 something years. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gosh. Yeah. Anyways, uh, you know, I've heard that song forever. It just occurred to me today as I was listening, like, that sounds like the guy from the Counting Crows in the, in the Harmony, the Harmony track on on 670 Heartache is, is Adam Duritz. Adam Duritz. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So.
0: And that's how you, yeah. I mean, you're Jacob, you're Jacob Dylan. You can make that phone call.
3: Yeah. You can get whoever you want to play on your album because <laughs> your dad is Bob. <laughs> I mean, and you know, Jacob Dylan is a great songwriter
0: too. I'm thinking on a name right here. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash. Crosby's first name. Can someone help yeah. me out here? David. Yeah. Thank you so much. I was watching a documentary. This has nothing to do with anything. That uh, <laughs> that Jacob Dylan. That Jacob Dylan sort of produced in. Oh, I saw that. The one on Laurel Canyon. Yeah. There's this I find to be painful, but possibly fleeting moment in which Jacob Dylan is interviewing. David Crosby. And they they come on to the subject of his father. And David Crosby says something like, I mean, this is Bob Dylan. No one's going to beat Bob Dylan. He's the greatest. And he's like saying it kind of absentmindedly, not realizing who's standing next to him. And Jacob's just kind of like...
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, Michelle.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about Forget by Twin Shadow.
0: Okay, but you only have five seconds
1: who is George Lewis Jr., Sparkly Sadness.
0: Is the song Five Seconds on there?
1: No. That's oh, that's a different album. Confess, sorry. I want to say. Um, it's my favorite.
0: Uh, yeah, of, yeah,
1: yeah, so. yeah, yeah. He's got a couple really strong albums sure, after this sure. one too, but this was the one that kind of like, I just was obsessed with this in like 20, this came out in 2010, want Is I this say. His debut? Um, he I may be? have had one before it, okay. but this was the one that really hit and got a lot of attention. It's very like, I would say, new wave influence. You're going to get a ton of synths, um, a lot of guitar and drum machine on it, but it doesn't feel derivative. It doesn't feel like he's um, just taking a, a, a genre of music and paying homage to it. It feels like it fits exactly in the time that he made the album, exactly with the lyrics and the subject matter of the songs. It's very, a lot of, so he's from the Dominican Republic, but I think he grew up in Florida. Mm -hmm. So it's got very much like an outsider-y feel to it. A lot of memories of childhood and sort of secret assignations. You know, you think about when you have a crush on someone when you're like seven or eight. There's a lot of vibes to that. And But his uh, choruses are just soaring. Like you will definitely get some of these songs stuck in your head. At My Heels is one that's so fond to belt out. Castles in the Snow is so good. Um, it's just kind of a perfect album. And I feel like there's just almost not a wrong note in it.
0: I always interpreted that as being at this tail end of the, uh, what was I think begrudgingly called the chill wave movement yeah. of like Toro Toro Moi, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Which is still kind of going, going strong. Still going strong. It's definitely in my wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> a lot I of music enjoy. still sounds like this. Um, but he's he's a writer. He's actually written a book. And cool. the the lyrics are really worth digging into. And when I was re-listening to it, I just had like the lyrics from Spotify up. And I was like, damn, these are really, really good lyrics. It's awesome. So,
0: yeah. I'm going to talk about uh, hip-hop now. This is uh, Mad Villainy, which is mostly featuring mf doom but it's for collaboration with producer madlib uh mf doom is a mystery and recently passed so the late r.i.p mf doom was a big fan of comic books big fan of marvel comic books big fan of fantastic four and the supervillain dr doom and wore on stage and at almost any time he was in public an actual dr doom-esque mask and he i think was not shy about showing his nerdiness, uh, especially in his lyrics. This was an album produced uh, in 2003, came out in 2004. Uh, They worked on it in Glendale, they worked on it in Atlanta, and it's incredible. It has a lot of intricately utilized jazz samples over or under rather MF Doom's very unique, gruff, kind of mumbly voice. Uh, I think once you get acclimated to his cadence and his tone, he is, uh, I think, a super endearing character. And this is kind of part of this whole, like, but just when I was getting into hip-hop, you know, it just felt like there was a new resurgence. Uh, Mostef, who's now Yasin Bey, was around. Talib Kweli, Q-Tip, Jurassic Five. Uh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, One of my favorite hip-hop albums. I don't know. Raid is amazing. Um All Caps is an all-timer. I could go on and on. So good. How about you, Kelly?
2: This is my last one cuz when we first came up with this yeah. list, we only asked for four. So, um my last one is Pearl Jam versus uh I feel like Pearl Jam was the first band that I liked by, like by myself, <laughs> if that makes sense. My one of my older brothers really liked them too but I felt like my experience with them was more individualized you know Led Zeppelin obviously my dad liked that it was you know all over the radio but um I was 13 when this album came out which is kind of in that I feel like that time when you're really first starting to discover music and the fact that I knew it was coming out ahead of time was also a unique experience of like oh it comes out you can go to Flipside which still exists uh, at midnight and pick it up, you know, and that's what my brother did and brought it home and we, you know, listened to it. Um, I don't really know why I liked it as a thirteen-year-old, truthfully, but um, I think
0: it's got elderly lady, elderly lady behind.
2: Oh yeah, elderly woman behind a counter in a small town. I think is the full title. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that song. Um, Daughter is another favorite off of that. A lot of it feels angry. Um, and dangerous but as an adult i'm sort of reflecting on it and it's you know they're angry about justice issues that we're still angry about um there were songs that i just would skip back then that now i'm like oh this was like the important one you know glorified g is about gun right violence and that didn't resonate with me as a kid because i you know grew up believing that like oh well those people are just bad it's got nothing to do with guns <laughs> you know and my thoughts have changed over the years I mean it was all about Eddie Vedder for me Yeah, I had a huge crush on him which I think Ooh, half what the world a... did <laughs> um, but you... again reflecting on it like the guitars are so awesome on it like could just sit there and listen to the tracks without his vocals and still enjoy them um, a little like piece of early 90s like nostalgia my brother was a huge fan and we tried to get tickets and he felt it necessary to call my mom on a pay phone in the oakland mall near the harmony house before we walked up and got tickets and they were sold out by the time he got her to say yes to me going as a 12 year old so i've never gotten to see pearl jam
0: and then right before your brother hung up he remarked upon how 90s everything about this was
2: (laughs) running up the stairs into the harmony house to the back of the thing of a mall the ticket booth in the mall payphone um i don't think he's ever seen them live either which he's like eight years older than me he should have just thrown me to the curb and bought tickets (laughs) or bought tickets and then begged for permission later um but yeah they're a big their first two albums are just like very important to me like i said they were um they were the first band that i felt like i liked for my own reasons it wasn't just because the radio i like wrote them a letter and they sent me uh, a cd single and a and a postcard back which i probably don't still have but um, I was telling Michelle that I would use our big stereo in the living room to program which tracks would play and how many times. And so there were certain tracks I'd play like multiple times in a row. Yeah. I would skip some. I was also really adept at hitting the like 15 minute skip to skip over the swear words so I could continue to listen to these albums out loud in the house. <laughs> so it was like, they're very much a part of that early like CD era for me. Mm-hmm
0: beautiful yeah oh is it cougar time
2: no it's super chunk time okay okay
3: mm-hmm. jeff how would you describe super chunk
0: super chunk is close to power pop i would say it's
3: like punk adjacent college rock
0: college rock it's very riffy yeah. i mean they come out of the 80s they come yeah. out they come out of that same sort of area of yola tango not geographically speaking but stylistically speaking yeah and so- mac mccann is a super high-pitched voice yeah that's no insult when you hear him talk he sounds like a chipmunk i love him <laughs> yeah i love him
3: I, I, I the word i was thinking was kind of weaselly but yep. it has a negative connotation Yeah, chipmunk it, yeah it's it's great though um the first album came out in 1990 mm-hmm. their ninth album majesty shredding came out in 2010 there's like nothing uh unique or groundbreaking or original on we this, should we on should say album. that
0: the the, the once married but now divorced couple that powers this band also founded Merge Records. Yeah, but... which
3: signed your favorite band.
0: Yes. <laughs>
3: uh, but yeah, there's there's, you know, they're just they're not they're not making any waves. There's nothing super original on there, but it is a, an album of really, really great songs, um, that all blend together well. It was the first super chunk album that I heard. Um, so it was really it was a accessible cleaned up version of super Trunk that kind of allowed me to it was a gateway for me
0: yeah he and he can be honest and raw just like jenny and he can be nerdy too like mf doom in his lyrics mm-hmm. you should also check out his side project Port-a-static.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: michelle camera obscura yes my modeling career this came out in two thousand nine.
0: Is that the one with the song that says "I fell asleep in a fell in love in a dusty library"?
1: Spent a week in a dusty library. Thank you. Spent waiting a week for in... some words to jump at me. Yes. So of course <laughs> yes. I have to include that one on here. French Navy. French it's Navy. It's like a very perfect library song.
0: <laughs> Pop with an orchestral, orchestral swirl to it.
1: Yeah. Well, string and the section. whole album is really string heavy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the the music is gorgeous. On they have just a ton of talented musicians on this.
0: I'm going to offend everyone. Uh, Irish or Scottish? I can't remember. Scottish. Thank you.
1: From Glasgow. So, yeah. And uh, Tracy and Campbell's voice, again, is a huge reason why I love this band. Um, It's I don't know how to describe it even. It's a weird little voice, but it's beautiful and soaring um, while at the same time kind of neat. I don't know. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Nasally. I, mean, I don't little, know if it's the, the accent or what. It's a strange voice. Well, it's
0: hard to It's hard to say this without having like a backhanded compliment, but like it, it's It's maybe you could say it's diffident, it's mousy. It's a little like there's something that feels vulnerable and hesitant and whispery yeah. about it. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. uh, an amazing band. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to uh sophomore albums, yeah. Love for Verses. That has to follow up an album that was a literal ten, uh, and I think Versus is one of those albums where the the phrase sophomore slump started to be popularized. Even though Versus has aged so well, yeah, I think that it definitely was not ten, and people were so in love with ten and even flow and all that stuff. And some of my favorite albums are by our second albums. I love Versus. I love Weezer's Pinkerton. I love Sloan's Twice Removed. I love love love. The Strokes, Room on Fire. It's 100 times better than Is This It? I Will Fight You. Uh, and that's all I have to say. On that, again, Room on Fire, Pinkerton, Twice Removed, all could be on my list. Um, we're almost wrapping up. I want Jordan to talk about Cougar.
3: Did I, I do have, too. Did I have one more pick than everybody else?
0: I have five. And, you know, I love The Zombies. And I could go into depth about The Zombies. I'll share more links in the show notes. Um, Odyssey and Oracle. Um, technically arguably the first concept album i don't know if that's right i think it snuck out release date wise just before tommy by the who anyway you take it over with cougar
3: scarecrow by john cougar Mellencamp, 1985. um john cougar Mellencamp is a cheese ball (laughs) i love it uh i don't know why i love it
0: but But like is like what is our cheese ball like here is it like huey lewis cheese ball is it like...
3: Like, Hurt's So Good. Yeah. Like, you know? Um, but that's not on this album. Right. Uh, I do think that, like, he was, like, channeling, like, a, a Steinbeck sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, like, really leaning into his, his Bruce Springsteen. And instead of getting silly with it, he was, like, really trying to channel uh, other people's voices in a way that I think really worked. Um, this the most popular song on... This album is small town which was just totally um ubiquitous mm-hmm. on the classic rock radio stations especially where i grew up right um you know it didn't really resonate with me then but resonates with me now you, even though was, you grew up
0: in a small town yeah
3: i mean it's full of cliches mm-hmm. like uh like i said it's a cheese ball but it it really hits it really hits me in a way that i like so
1: it's that good baby
2: boomer nostalgia yeah
3: yeah you know say what you want about nostalgia it feels good
2: yeah (laughs) yeah this is like uh lots of songs from this album are um staples around our campfires in our backyard minutes to memories is one that my family sings i think probably because my brother could actually learn to play it on guitar so that's why we we all sing it and small town and all that so you're not alone (laughs) we're still we're still vibing on this album
3: (laughs) yeah and i I think the title track "Rain on the the scarecrow is um is totally different from everything else in the album um it's really really dark and really angry which you don't hear from him much Mm. um the the snare sound on on that song is actually similar what's the what's the notorious snare sound on that on metallica album is it saint anger Mm mm-hmm it's like almost like that but it's it's tuned in a way that that fits with the song and
0: okay okay
3: yeah it's it's definitely it's a, it's a nice break from the cheese ball with john cougar malik yeah nice
0: i was gonna yeah so apparently jack and diane was on the previous album not the not this album. that
3: sounds right
0: mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. which i love i love that stuff too but you know
0: it's it's a little dorky yeah <laughs> michelle do you have one more album
1: grimtown by soak
0: Oh yeah. yeah, so
1: this is a second album also, yeah. um, and a
0: newer artist.
1: Yeah, they're. I think they were one of the youngest artists to be uh, nominated for the Mercury Prize mm-hmm. for the first album, which was I'm not uh, before we how, forget how to dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, sea creatures from that album, one of my favorite favorite songs of the last 10 years. Yes. Um, but this one's called Grimtown. And this one, so they grew up in Northern Ireland, gay, small town, like Derrytown. And I think you can f- feel that very much on that first album the sort of sense of constraint and um, not fitting in. And so on this album, they have moved to Manchester. Um, the artist's name is Brady Mons Watson. They go by the them. And so at this point, you it, this album feels a little bit more like I, th- they've escaped the sort of constraint of small-town life. They've sort of found their people. And it, I love this album begins with an Irish train conductor talking about who's on the train. And that, like, if you have a pension or a salary, you don't belong here. This is for people on the dole. This is for people who are medicated. This is for people who are broke. And it sounds sort of, you're like, ooh, this sounds scary and sad i wouldn't want to be here and then at the very end of that sort of intro you hear a bunch of people sort of jovially joking and laughing with each other cracking a beer so you're like oh actually this is, this sounds like actually a pretty fun train to be on <laughs> and then it just sort of goes from there um they have a again gorgeous voice and um yeah just a lot of if you're if you're wondering, feeling lonely feeling misunderstood and again that sparkly sadness is there <laughs> it's sad but it's super fun to sing along with. Knock me, <laughs>
0: knock me off my feet. That was my favorite song on that album. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and uh, quick shout out to the zombies. You know, everyone knows them for um, "Is the Time of the Season" or mm-hmm. "She's Not There," but none of those hits are on Odyssey and Oracle. Um, the closest you get is a song called uh, "This Will Be Our Year," which sometimes appears on movie soundtracks. But yeah, just a, just a sweet. Brit pop album from the late 60s, lots of piano and lots of guitar, good old paisley pop. Um, I love too many albums to to list, but this was fun. Thanks yeah. for joining us, everybody.
1: Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Thanks, Jeff.
0: I'm going to go now listen to all the albums we just talked about. I'm excited <laughs> to return to them. Uh, we'll have links to literally the entire list of all these albums plus uh, everyone else on staff's favorite albums uh, on our website in the show notes. Thanks for listening to uh, another episode of A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to ferndalefriends.org, but please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And of course, thank you to John Duffy who gave us music to uh, open uh, open and close the podcast. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks for listening.